Hey folks, this is David opposing the Matrix doing another late night solo show. Uh, there's just so much, so many things out there that uh, we can't cover them all in a two-hour show on Monday, and um, there are just some things that I like to present on my own because there's a lot to present, and if I have other people with me, that's kind of hard to do. So it is approximately 10:34 on a uh, Friday night. Friday, uh, the 19th of June, 2020. Um, jump right into it, folks. Okay. Um, you know, being a nurse by trade, I, I can remember in nursing school, uh, what was drummed into us, what the things that were told to us that were important. Uh, we were always told that pain is important. However, that seems to have changed nowadays because if you claim to be in pain, you're a drug seeker. Um, so, um, but with where nurses are concerned, we, that's one of the first questions we ask, are you in pain? Okay. Another thing that was drummed into us is that, uh, the patient is more important than you are. Uh, if you go to work and you're having a bad day, you need to put that aside because the patients are more important than you are. Um, another thing that's drummed into us is a, is a motto, do no harm. That means what it means, what it says. It means that uh, you're going to do everything you can to do things for that patient that will help them to heal and you will do nothing that will help their condition to grow worse. Um, and that seems to be changing too in this, this present day, what they're calling a pandemic and, oh, I don't know, they're calling it a whole bunch of things. But uh, one of the things that I would like to make clear is that... Um, uh, they use the word uh, disease a lot when they're talking about this uh, this COVID-19. And uh, disease and infection are two different things, okay? Infections can lead to disease, but infections aren't always necessarily a disease, okay? When I think of disease, I think of AIDS. I think even though that's an infection, but what that does is it causes your body to start doing things or, or a person's body to start doing things that uh, it normally wouldn't do. Um, tuberculosis is another one. Um, those are diseases. Okay. The flu is an infection. Okay. It's not a disease. It's an infection. It's often called a disease, but that's not true. And we need to quit doing that. Okay. Um, so I, I did a little research and I found a page that talks about the difference between diseases and infections. Okay. Um, an infection uh, serves as the closest way through which a microorganism can cause disease. And gradually, when the infection starts weakening the immune system to harm the body for long or short term, it's called, it's called the disease. Pardon me. Um, it goes into this uh, little thing. There's a comparison chart. Uh, the meanings. An infection. Infection is an attack on, of growth of microorganisms inside the body therefore causing harm to the body. A disease is due to the weakening of the body's immune system. After the infection of any kind of pathogens, the body starts responding automatically, showing symptoms of pain, fever, aches. The state of the body is termed as a disease. Okay. Uh, I'm not going to go into these other things, um, except maybe they have an example here. Actually, let's go up to... Um, uh, let's see, when it happens, an infection is a kind of the body's immune response against the attacks of pathogens. 
Uh, diseases occur when the body's uh, immune system gets weakened and pathogens starts harming the cells of the body parts uh, that is an, it is infected. Um, okay, treatment. Uh, treatment of uh, infection uh, can sometimes be treated properly. If properly diagnosed, it will be helpful in the prevention of, of disease and further spreading. Okay, so if you can cure the infection, it will turn into a disease. Uh, treatment of a disease. Uh, diseases are, are many types, and there are different kinds of treatments available for treatment of diseases. And it gives examples. Um, an example of an infection. Lung infections are uh, of many types, which starts with allergies, shortness of breath, sneezing, coughs, etc. In other words, the flu is an infection. Okay. Uh, disease, but if proper care is not taken, these infections shape into a big life-threatening diseases like asthma, tuberculosis, bronchitis, etc. Okay, so now that we have nailed down what a disease and a infection are, let's move on here. Okay, as I said, as a nurse, I am very, very um, concerned over the state of affairs with this coronavirus thing that's going on, if it is in fact a virus. Um, if you want to go back into our archives, I did a couple of shows. One, uh, the COVID-19, uh, uh, COVID-19 and the 5G connection. That's what it's called. And another one is, uh, is COVID-19 really a virus? Uh, there's some evidence that it's more of a bacterial infection coupled with, uh, and it, the type of infection that causes malaria, which would make sense because zithromycin and um, and the drug that uh, Trump has been touting, uh, hydroxychloroquine, um, or, or hydroxychloroquine is used for malaria, which is a, uh, an infection by a multi-celled organism, and um, uh, azithromycin uh, treats bacterial infections. Uh, so. Uh, and, and neither of those would, would treat a viral infection, okay? So that says a lot right there. And you can go back and listen to those shows. You can go to the delusion, just the delusionresistance.org. Go to the top, and there's a, a link to our file archives for, um, for posing a matrix. And you can, uh, you can go back all the way back to 2010 and uh, look at some of the file or listen to some of the files that we've done since that time. And... Uh, December of this year will be our 10-year anniversary. So um, anyway, I was looking around and I found some very some very interesting articles. Okay, well the first thing that I found that really alarmed me was um, it's a YouTube video and of course I'm not going to play it, but it's um, by a nurse, a traveling nurse. Uh, traveling nurses are are very important. I've worked with. Uh, a nurse that was a traveling nurse for a while, and he's he gained quite a lot of experience uh, by going to different parts of the nation and working in different hospitals, and uh, he's an excellent nurse. Um, so uh, these traveling nurses, uh, this there's one named Erin uh, Marie Ozlewski, and uh, she works at Elmhurst, or worked, I don't think she's there anymore probably, Elmhurst Hospital in New York City, and that's in one of the boroughs. And... Um, she uh she's a whistleblower and uh it's 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 quite a heart-wrenching uh testimony that she gives uh, her last name is spelled o l s z e w s k i i believe she says in the video that she was an army nurse 
um, and served overseas. And I think she said somewhere over in the Middle East. Um, so, you know, she is not somebody that just graduated from nursing school or, or sits in some obscure nursing uh, station or nursing office where they don't do very much. Uh, she's always been where the rubber hits the road and she's a very good nurse and knows how to, you can just tell by the her terminology and the things she's saying that she's very concerned for the patients and that they're not being taken care of. And uh, my goodness, it's, uh, well, I'm going to read an article that's, uh, that'll kind of describe what she was saying. But uh, by God, if you go to the hospital with this thing, don't let them put on you on a ventilator, okay? Um, you probably won't walk out if you go on a ventilator. Um, now, I'm not saying, I'm not diagnosing and I'm not saying, giving medical advice. I'm just saying that ask questions and think twice before you let them put you on one of those things because it may not be the best thing for you, okay? Uh, you have the right to a second opinion. That's one of your medical rights. And you have the right to deny treatment, too. So um, that having been said, uh, the first article I want to start with um, is one um, that I found quite interesting. And it kind of, you know, when when you have a certain theory about uh, things and you find other people on the Internet that have the same theory and, they have a little bit more um, knowledge than you have in this area, and they're able to, to dot the I's and cross the T's of the things that you've been writing. Um, it's it's pretty interesting. And um, and this was written, um, let's see, one month ago on May 8th, 2020. Actually, actually it's a little more month than a month ago, uh, by Richard Enos, or Enos, depending on what culture you come from. And the article is called, Why This Pandemic is Looking More Like a Social Engineering Experiment. Ooh. <laughs> There's a lot of people that aren't going to like this radio show because of this. Um, however, if uh, they were to, were to stop and take the red pill instead of the blue pill, maybe they would uh, they would tend to agree. And there's a little section that says in brief, and the first uh, bullet point is the facts. There are tremendous inconsistencies in the numbers and projections for COVID-19. And upon deeper examination, the actions taken by our world leaders do not seem to be solely based on the interest and overall health of the population. Ooh, kind of reminds me of the first commandment on the Georgia Guidestones. You can uh, listen to another show to get what that's all about or look it up on the Internet. Um, bullet point number two of two says reflect on can we see how the actions and rhetoric of our world leaders make more sense if this pandemic is seen as a big social engineering experiment okay so he starts in and talking about something personal uh yesterday my wife a native of korea made the arduous trip to her homeland from toronto in order to help her mother who has been diagnosed with stage four cancer with uh, the protocols of high-dose vitamin C and natural eating regimen, this hopefully will be an inspiring story in itself as things continue to progress along. However, the reason I bring this up is because of the difficulties my wife experienced in getting to Korea as a result of COVID-19 regulations and how this has gotten me thinking even more deeply about the nature of this pandemic. Okay. He says, in order to go to Korea to assist her mother, my wife had to go to the Korean embassy in Toronto, and I'm assuming this guy's Canadian, um, uh, embassy in Toronto, uh, provide proof that she was not suffering from coronavirus with documentation having 48-hour expiry date, 
proof that her mother had been diagnosed with cancer, proof that she had enough money to sustain herself while in Korea, and proof that she would have a place to stay in Korea. Eventually, satisfying all these conditions, she was given a visitor's visa and set out to fly to Korea through Vancouver. Before boarding the flight to Korea, she was given a document in which she was asked to agree to finance her own quarantine in a special hotel for 14 days uh, in the amount of about $1,600, if deemed necessary, and agree to abide unconditionally to all government measures, including departure from Korea orders, if the authorities deemed it appropriate. Arriving in Korea, she told me that she had to go through hoops from one counter to the next to get documents sent from her mother's house certifying her family identity, then agree to pay a taxi over $100 in order to be ushered directly to her mother's house, where she had to sign off on a strict 14-day quarantine in the house that would be monitored by the government and law enforcement on a daily basis. <laughs> that makes it sound like it's not so bad here, huh, right? Um... What strikes me odd from this one experience is that absolutely factual and affects my family personally is the amount of care, attention, precision, and gravity that was given in the case of a person, my wife, who had no signs of illness and furthermore had a doctor-certified test documenting saying that she did not have COVID-19. Measures like this worldwide would would purport to solely be motivated by preventing the death of the world's citizens, would they not? I would argue that even based on mainstream acceptance dangers about COVID-19, themselves dubious at best, all these measures are useless, a complete waste of time, money, and valuable human resources. And another title here for Saving Human Lives. This all got me thinking if the attention and hu- the the attention and the human and financial resources that have been spent on this pandemic had been given out to end world hunger, do you think do you <laughs> do any of you doubt that world hunger would have been eradicated by now? Probably. Um, the official numbers of COVID-19 deaths worldwide, according to the website titled uh, WorldOmeters.info. As of May 4th, is 251,421. I will not contest this figure for the moment, but later on we'll give evidence that this number is inflated, but let's use the number for now. Let's compare it to the number of deaths worldwide from starvation since January 1st, according to the website theworldcounts.com. 3,073,421 is the number. Even as I type this, the number has already changed as it does continually about every two seconds or so. My question is, if our world leaders are so concerned about human mortality, should they not be devoting at least 10 times the amount of financial and human resources that are being given to this pandemic uh, to ending the world hunger? Should they not have come together and done this decades ago? This is just one example. There are countless which show us time and time again that the true agenda of our political leaders is almost completely antithetical to the actual health and safety of the people of the world. And it should have us all suspecting that the coordinated worldwide efforts to migrate the effects of COVID-19 on a global, on the global population is not really about public health and safety, but rather part of a different agenda. I like this guy. Okay, another title here, Inflating Numbers, Maximizing Fear. 
Now, as to the staunch figure of worldwide deaths from COVID-19, which tell us that over a quarter of a million people have died from the virus, not a significant number, when it gets a standalone framing and a big, bold print on Main Street, maybe a 24-7, that, in combination with the ongoing ticker for new cases cropping up, is used strategically to maximize fear, thereby maximizing public compliance. Evidence is coming out every day that these numbers and that the way they're presented are not truthful and are conflated, conflating the level of danger and thus the need for a lockdown. For example, many of the deaths that are the official number of COVID-19 deaths are actually comorbidities, meaning that the person who died had other pre-existing conditions that contributed to their death. There is no evidence of the extent of the impact, if any, of COVID-19 in the cases of these comorbidities. In fact, in some cases, even where an alternative cause is determined, it is still registered as a COVID-19 death. Let me read that again. In fact, in some cases, even where an alternative cause is determined, it is still registered as a COVID-19 death. Dig deeper. If you die of a clear alternative cause, it's still listed as a COVID-19 death, uh, said Dr. Uh, Ngozi Ezeke. I hope I'm saying that right. And then he shows a chart, and he says this chart below of weekly pneumonia deaths reports, reported shows a precipitous decline in the number of pneumonia deaths in the U.S., which coincides with, you guessed it, the beginning of the reporting of COVID-19 deaths. In other words, the deaths that would have been determined to be caused by pneumonia in the previous years are being called COVID-19 deaths, in some cases without the person even being tested for COVID-19, exclamation point. In effect, more and more evidence is pointing to the idea that there's nothing really happening in the world any different from any other year in terms of deaths from infections, flu-like diseases. Yet my wife has to go through all sorts of machinations in order to be permitted to visit her mother. Okay, dig deeper. Uh, new Stanford study suggests COVID-19 has the same infection fatality rate as the seasonal flu. That's a link. I should click on that, but if I will, if we have the time later, okay? Uh, so much more can be said about particular ways that figure and projections are manipulated to create a perception of fear and danger for this pandemic. But for now, let's look at the larger mechanisms at play here. Okay, another title here, the script followed by our leaders. In the interest of having an informed and capable public, our leaders are keeping us updated on these inconsistencies and helping us to get an accurate picture of the true extent of the dangers involved with this particular disease. For the most part, no. Politicians of all stripes come onto the airwaves and make the same announcements everywhere. Because uh, you've been good boys and girls, we, your authority, have been able to start getting a crisis under control. Combined with, quote, you are warned that you must continue to obey us to prevent a rebound in the number of infections, unquote. Uh, then they might criticize examples of bad citizens not complying. Boy, see that every day, right? You know, let me let me take us on a break, uh, an aside here. Um, last week, uh, there was a big protest up in Portland. <laughs> Yeah, big surprise, right? Portland, Oregon protest. Um, very few people were wearing masks and 
had it been you or I in a, in a setting in a little town here or even a small city in Oregon, we probably would have been taken to task for not take, uh, keeping the six-foot rule or wearing a mask, okay? But if you're protesting and you're fitting into the, the agenda of the, the uh, deep state, um, you cannot wear a mask and get away with it. Okay, let me continue with the article. Again, I simply need to reflect on my personal experience here in Ontario, Canada to reinforce my theory. Most readers can do the same within their locality. With just a cursory glance at the official briefings here, I heard Ontario Prime Premier Doug Ford uh, try to convince viewers how, de- viewers how deeply concerned he was about the sa- their safety and health of Ontari- Ontarians. Yeah, Ontarians. Okay. That's a weird, it's spelled weird. It's kind of looks strange. Um, anyway, he was quick to rebuke those who protested in front of the parliament in Toronto, calling for an end to the lockdown as a bunch of yahoos. <laughs> you think somebody with that kind of intelligence could use a word that's a little more intelligent sounding. Anyway, uh, on, on the subject of something that affects me personally with a six-year-old at home, namely uh, the opening of schools, he has done his best to bring the gravitas to his proclamation that schools will continue to stay closed for this foreseeable future, citing that my uh, number one concern is protecting our kids out there. Uh, from stories I've heard about Doug Ford, he may be one of the last people I would trust to protect my child. And the notion that uh, keeping kids cooped up at home and not in contact with their friends is keeping them safe ignores the uh, known statistics about COVID-19 where children are the lowest risk class for infection and morbidity. And I'm going to inject in there, not to mention that um, when you keep people away from bacteria, they become subject to bacteria. Um, Anyway, um, new uh, title here, social engineering. Many theories floating around out there uh, as to the true origin and purpose of COVID-19 based on evidence that it was a man-made and the possibility that it was released intentionally are certainly worth investigating. I like this guy. However, uh, none of those have to be uh, proven for us to be able to see that the pandemic is being used as a social engineering equipment. Uh, Now, this is nothing new, as basically everything our leaders do is grounded in their attempts to see how much more power they can amass and how much more of our freedoms can be taken away. Never let a good crisis go to waste, as Churchill said. In the case of COVID-19, we are dealing with a worldwide event and perhaps the biggest social engineering experiment ever attempted. Those who have ultimate power in the world and those who control our political leaders are trying to determine how much the public will comply under the circumstances of a pandemic. You can see everything being said by our leaders is based on affirming that they are in control that we must follow. When attempts to control things in Ontario went too far and the people pushed back, as when the Aurora mom was fined $880 for standing too long in a park with her baby, Doug Ford said, by law, officers could have used a bit different judgment. Without uh, ceding his own power, he yielded some ground in order to reinforce his own legitimacy using a famous Machiavellian political strategy. This type of push and pull has been happening all around the world as this pandemic continues to be employed to erode our freedoms. It is part of a bigger war that is being fought between forces with a dark agenda of control of those who are working to bring out the truth, as our nurse in New York City. 
Uh, I put that in there. Um, the sooner we all start to see what is going on with the pandemic in a larger context, the sooner the truth will shine for everyone to see and empower us to restore our freedom. That's the end of the article. Okay. Yeah, that's the end of it. Okay. So anyway, very enlightening article. Um, here's a journalist. Uh, you know, I don't trust journalists to begin with, but this guy, he took the red pill. He is, he's seeing what this is. Uh, very interesting. Um, I, I got to click on this link. I really do. New Stanford study suggests COVID-19 has the same infection fatality rate as seasonal influenza. When was this written? Uh, April 19, 2020 by Arjun Walia. Um, let me see how long this is. If it's not too long, I might go for it. Um, okay. All right. Yeah, it's not too bad. Let's go for it. Okay. I mean, what the heck? We got two hours and I've only been on for about a half hour of that. Um, okay. Okay. In brief, first bullet point of two. The facts, a new study published by several academics from the Stanford School of Medicine suggests that COVID-19 has a similar infection fatality rate as a seasonal influenza. Um, and this, <laughs> Stanford's a pretty big thing when it comes to uh, academics, especially medicine. So this isn't just a couple of doctors down in Fresno stating the truth. These are people that uh, people should regard with, uh, should regard with a high degree of, um, respect uh it's it's kind of like when the ufo thing started you know if a farmer saw it he was drinking too much but if an air force uh, pilot saw it it was real um and then the second bullet point reflect on are the lockdowns and social distancing measures necessary or is there something else going on here okay um that's funny. He says, especially note to our readers, we are concerned that our Facebook page will be deleted. So we're encouraging all those who want to continue to receive and be able to find our content to sign up on our email list. Oh, yeah. Let's let's take a minute to talk about that. I um, I, I mentioned earlier that I posted um, a radio show that I did called uh, COVID-19 and the 5G connection. Well, I got a nice little email from YouTube telling me that they had removed it because I was going against their social platform. And that I was instilling fear that could cause people to violence. Okay. I asked them to prove it. And I got another letter back that said, well, we looked at it again. And it's still our determination. So uh, what would, uh, you know, in, in a court of law in a civilized nation, you have the right to know what you did wrong, when you did it, how you did it, and um, and how you can rectify it. And, but not with YouTube. Uh, YouTube is judge, jury, and executioner. Anyway, let's get back to this article. This article titled New Stanford Study Suggests COVID-19 Has the Same Infection Fatality Rate as Seasonal Influenza, April 19, 2020, by Arjun Walia, W-A-L-I-A. Okay, you'll hear that from time to time. We believe in chiming clocks in our house. Okay. It starts out approximately one month ago, uh, John uh, P.A. Lonidas, a professor of medicine and epidemiology at Stanford, published an article titled, A Fiasco in the Making as the Coronavirus Pandemic Takes Hold, 
We are making decisions without reliable data. That's the name of the article. Love it. I could just keep clicking if you want me to, um, because this is this is a rabbit hole. I'm really enjoying going down. Or I could just make another show tomorrow or something. Um, in the article, he emphasized that there's simply not enough data to make claims about reported case fatality rates, and at the uh, and at the projections that the World Health Organization, boo, uh, were making do nothing but cause horror and are meaningless. This has become much easier to see now, and the earlier models that were predicting over 1 million deaths in multiple countries have result, had uh, have, as a result of COVID-19, changed and were clearly way off by a lot. Those predictions also led to massive amount of hysteria and panic and a perception that COVID-19 is more dangerous than it actually is. Dr. Iran uh, Ben-David and Dr. J. Bhattacharya, two professors of medicine at Stanford University who published an opinion piece in the Wall Street Journal entitled, Is Coronavirus as Deadly as They Say? Uh, earlier on during the pandemic were also questioned uh, what was being also questioned what was being put out as well as among other scientists around the world. Here's a great example from Germany and there's another link. Um, this is not to say COVID-19 isn't dangerous and precautions shouldn't be taken. Please keep that in mind. But the measures that are put in place by multiple governments are indeed questionable always and always have been. Um, fast forward to today. Uh, Leonidas, Ben David, Bakacharya, and several other academics together, most of them from the School of Medicine at Stanford University, have just published a study titled COVID-19 Antibody Seroprevalence in Santa Clara County, California. In the study, the authors point out that many epidemic projections and policies addressing COVID-19 have been designed without seroprevalence data to inform uh, epidemic parameters. The goal of the study was to obtain an accurate estimate of how many people in Santa Clara County, California, have actually been infected with the virus. And the way they went about this was to try to see how many people had developed antibodies from COVID-19. The study used an example from residents in Santa Clara County of more than 3,000 people of whom which they were evaluated for the presence of COVID-19 antibodies. Based on what they saw within the same within the sample size, the researchers estimated that between 2.5 and 4.2 percent of the population in Santa Clara County has antibodies, which is an indication that they had been infected with the virus a while ago. It seems very likely that the disease is more widespread than people believe everywhere, um, said Dr. Bathacharya. I'm going to spell that so. Um, it's B-H-A-T-T-A-C-H-A-R-Y-A. That's the doctor's name. The conclusions of the study were expressed by uh, Lonidas, L-O-A-N-N-I-D-I-S. That's the other doctor in a recent interview. If you compare the number, he says, if you compare the numbers that we estimate to have been infected, which vary from 48,000 to 81,000 versus the number of documented cases that would correspond to the same time horizon around April 1st, when we had um, 956 cases documented in Santa Clara County, we realized that the number of infected people is somewhere between 50 and 85 times more compared to what we thought, compared to what had been documented. 
immediately, that means the infection fatality rate, the chance of dying and probably dying or probably dying if you're infected diminishes by 50 to 85 fold because the denominator in the calculation becomes 50 to 85 fold bigger. Our data suggests that COVID-19 has an infection fatality rate that is the same ballpark as seasonal influenza. It suggests that even though this is a very serious problem, we should not fear. It suggests that we have solid ground to have optimism about the possibility of eventually reopening our society and gaining back our lives sooner rather than later with full control and data-driven approach. Right now, it's looking like the number of infected is higher and also the deaths due to COVID-19 are being miscalculated and are lower than what the numbers are showing. <clears throat> the researchers suspect that the same case globally in many countries. You can read more about this miscalculated deaths here. Uh, if this is true, that would drive the case uh, fatality rate even lower than what the researchers predict in their study above. Final thoughts and to take away from this. Okay, before that, it says the New York Times states that approximately 3,700 were added to the death toll that were simply presumed to have COVID-19 without being tested. Yeah, that's really good. That's good science, isn't it, folks? Isn't that wonderful science? Now, just take it right out of the lab and take a guess. Well, I, I, what do you expect from people that believe that we evolved from monkeys? I guess that's a guess, too. There's no firm proof that that ever happened. And, um in a laboratory test, which is supposed to be conducted to prove that something is true. Uh, evolution cannot be uh, proven. And it looks like uh, this coronavirus thing is uh, a sham, too. Although real, yeah, the numbers are being fudged. Okay, final thoughts and takeaway. The coronavirus outbreak and the lockdown measures that have resulted from, him have ra from it have raised a lot of questions from the population regarding corruption, false information, and using fear and hysteria, hysteria to drive population to acceptance of inappropriate measures. Has our fear and hysteria been manufactured? Have the measures of the governments that the, that the governments have taken come as a result of manufacturing or consent? Are these measures happening for reasons other than our safety? Are they really for our best interests or is something else going on here? Why are we being forced to comply? More big names are, are asking these questions and are sharing their beliefs. Edward Snowden recently expressed that the fear and hysteria are simply being used to increase surveillance measures and to heighten a national security state, measures that will remain long after the virus, just as they did long after 9-11. <laughs> yeah, they're still here. Um, he suggested that the government should simply make suggestions, present science and evidence as to why they believe social distancing and isolation can help and encourage people to follow but not enforce them. What, what's also suspicious is that the opinions about the coronavirus are being flagged as fake news. One of the latest examples come from Dr. Ron Paul, who encouraged people to ask themselves whether this coronavirus, this coronavirus pandemic could be a big hoax with the actual danger of the disease being massively exaggerated by those who seek to profit financially or politically from the same ensuing panic. He went on to state that, no misspelling, huh. He went on to state that this is not to say the disease is harmless without questioning people will die from coronavirus. Those in vulnerable categories should take precautions to limit their, their risk of exposure. 
but we have seen this movie before. Government overtypes a threat then as an excuse to grab more freedoms when the threat is over. However, they never give up the freedoms. They can never give their freedoms back. Kind of reminds me of back in the 80s. Um, no, it'd be in the 90s, because in 89, we had the Loma Prieta quake, and a year or two after that, they had a big earthquake down in Southern California. It doesn't matter that Loma Prieta destroyed so much up in Northern California, but when it involves the movie stars down south, all of a sudden, they had to raise the tax up with a temporary tax that never came off. Um, <clears throat> temporary to me means temporary. It doesn't mean permanent, but... And I guess if you're one of the government talking heads, uh, we have different definitions for temporary. <clears throat> Excuse me, folks. It takes a lot to read, and, and I'm a little under the weather. So, Okay, so the article continues. This is lockdown necessary. Is there something else going on here? Evidence, uh, events like this coronavirus pandemic only serve the collective as they spark massive amounts of questioning and critical thinking from the citizenry citizenry um, it simply serves uh, the collective the collective in the long run and as a result it empowers the collective to take their lives into their own hands and not simply allow themselves to be forced into measures by governments that seem to be unscientific and unnecessary at the end of the day I believe humanity will do what is right for each other and and what is right for each other in times like major pandemic would be obvious there is no need for us to constantly rely on governments and pharmaceutical companies to tell us what is what is and what isn't, what is right and what is wrong. It's quite clear that we can think for ourselves, and the more events like this like this happen, the more of us there are that will continue to think for ourselves and ask questions and challenge the status quo. The more you drive population by force, the more you awaken the population to corruption. Uh, within those who use force, because at the end of the day, force should be should never be necessary. For me, the obvious, for me and obviously many others, it's hard to see how COVID-19 is ultimately any different from the already existing coronaviruses, the flus, and other respiratory illnesses. For example, did you know that metapneumovirus has been shown to have a worldwide circulation with nearly universal infection by age five? Um, did you know that outbreaks of uh, metanumovirus have been well documented every single year, especially in long-term care facilities with mortality rates of up to 50%? And he gives a source there. Uh, did you know that human uh, metanumovirus infection results in a large number of hospitalizations of children every single year? Did you know that it's been that it has a substantial morbid morbidity rate again in the elderly, but also among children as well? Did you know that millions of children every single year die of these types of respir respiratory illnesses because they lead to acute respiratory illness? Imagine if the infection rates of and the death numbers were constantly tracked and put on an easy access web uh, website, mainstream media, and on all radio channels. Imagine if other coronaviruses and respiratory illnesses that are more severe in some cases and arguably more infectious in some cases were subject to constant monitoring and beamed out to the population every single minute. Could, could you imagine a hysteria? Something to think about. Then he gives a ton of related articles down at the bottom. Um, and that's it for that article. Now, 
I'm going to throw some stuff in here. And I've thrown it into other shows that I've done, but I'm going to throw in this one too because these this is not those other shows, and I want you to know this. Um, Bill Gates is, uh, I don't know, he's public any number one, right? He's right up there with Dr. Uh, Joseph Mengele as, as far as I'm concerned. Um, Bill Gates is, and his, and his wife Melinda, who I sometimes wonder if she's a woman. That's a whole other subject for another day. Um, they have a foundation where they, they put their hands in and meddle in a lot of different affairs of people uh, donating mo- by donating money. And everybody knows when you donate money that you have a special status and people listen to you and you know things that uh, they need to know. And, and people tend to believe people like Bill Gates. Well, anyway, um, Bill Gates believes that the world's overpopulated and that uh, the population of the world needs to be decreased. Now, this is a guy that's trying to his best and, and financing quite heavily a uh, vaccine for coronavirus or COVID-19. Folks, take that into account if they try to give it to you. OK, just take it into account that it's been sponsored by a man that wants to get rid of a whole bunch of us so that the, the Earth's population would be lowered. Uh, take a look at the Georgia Guidestones. The first commandment is to reduce the population of the Earth to 500 million, that is, to the number of 500 million people, to keep the Earth in harmony with, or to keep the population of humanity in, in harmony with nature. Um, let's look at the population. What is the population? It's like 7.2 billion, I think, right now. So he wants to bring it down to 500 million, which means he wants to get rid of... Um, approximately uh, 7 billion people. Well, let's just, okay, I'm just rounding the numbers up. Let's just say 6.5 billion people. That's uh, six, uh, you know, you do the math. It's just, there's a lot of zeros behind that six, okay? And remember, a billion is a thousand million. And um, that's a lot of people to get rid of. If you got rid of all the people in China, all the people in the United States, all the people in the Spanish-speaking countries, and all the people in Europe—it still wouldn't—it still wouldn't do what Bill Gates wants, and uh, and the uh, Georgia Guidestones, and the New World Order, and the uh, the deep state. So, anyway, it's something to think about. It's food to chew on, and uh, if you're not getting mad at it, then uh, you uh, obviously don't have the mental capacity to care about what happens to you and your loved ones. Okay, so let's see. We took care of those. I run two articles for the price of one there. Okay, I just have to check and see how we're doing time-wise. Oh, we're only at 43 minutes. My goodness, I must have been reading fast, huh? Okay, so the next one um, we're going to talk about is... um, an article called the CDC confesses to lying about COVID-19 death numbers. And if you follow news at all, you know, this happened uh, probably about six weeks ago, but uh, it just goes to show you that uh, they're fudging the numbers. And that if you walk away with anything today, walk away with the fact that they're lying to you, they're fudging the numbers and they're doing it to make you afraid so that you'll capitulate to everything that they say. Um, We got news here. Um, approximately two and a half weeks ago from uh, Kate Brownstein. I'm sorry, uh, Kate Brown, our governor here in Oregon, uh, who told us that uh, 
yes, we've most counties are in phase one of the, uh, of, you know, coming out of this lockdown. Some were in phase two and that nobody was coming out of phase two until there was a vaccine. Folks, I saw it on the piece of paper. It had her name signed to it and it had the uh, her office and uh, the Oregon state seal on it. So it was real. And she said it online too. So, or, you know, in an interview. So, um, <clears throat> so this um, article that I'm going to read now comes from the Canadian free press. <clears throat> Didn't know it existed, but that's kind of cool. Okay. And there's a kind of an anti-title fake death data from the CDC coupled with wild guesstimates from experts and yeah experts and the relentless barrage of fear porn the uh, mainstream media subjects Americans around around the clock uh, having been uh, given having have been giving results doesn't make sense anyway uh, then a the main title the CDC confesses to lying about COVID-19 death numbers we heard a little bit and that Anthony Fauci folks um, I've got a picture. I wish this was video because um, I got a picture with him standing with all the deep state people. And I'm talking about Rothschilds and Rockefellers and everything else. He is not a good player. This man is wicked. Um, yeah, wicked. I don't even think there's, wicked doesn't even describe Anthony Fauci. But um, you know what? He uh, if he doesn't get judged in this world, he'll get judged in the next and I hope he's enjoying his fame and any money that he's making and and the fact that he's trying to work to implement the uh, the deep state new world order here in the United States. Because uh, have your fun now, Anthony, because um, when the time comes, uh, there's going to be a finger that points you to the lake of fire and uh, actually to hell first. And then hell and uh, death are thrown into the lake of fire. And that's called the second death, Anthony. And uh, you don't have to go through it, but it looks like you've set your way into it. And uh, well. You know, everything good happens for a reason. Um, <clears throat> so anyway, the article goes on. Can any government statistics on COVID-19 be trusted? <laughs> Can the government be trusted? Can the government behind the government be trusted? It's a multi-legged octopus um, with more than eight legs, that's for sure. Okay, in an open question now. We are learning that highly respected world-class uh, Centers for Disease Control and Prevention has been lying to us. Okay, and again, it says CDC openly admits that it's fudging the COVID-19 death figures. This revelation comes a few days after I wrote here at American Thinker that New York City was lying about the COVID-19 deaths. The normal rules about reporting deaths have been violated by the city in a rush to inflate the body count presumably to steer more taxpayer money to the Big Apple. God, that's sick. So much for do no harm. I think sometimes politicians' motto is do harm and then try to fix it. Okay, that the CDC isn't telling the truth to Americans is no conspiracy theory. It's right out there in the open for everyone to see. The CDC openly admits that it's been fudging the COVID-19 death figures. We know this because, among other truth-tellers, a painstakingly small-town physician from Kalispell, Montana, has pulled back the curtain. Dr. Annie Bukacek, MD, explained in a presentation how death certificates are made. 
And it says, see Montana physician Dr. Annie Buckacek discuss how COVID-19 death certificates be manipulated on YouTube. Uh, and that was produced on April 6th. So you can look that up if you want to. It's here, but I can't play it. This um, setup doesn't allow it. Um, <clears throat> but she's a highly respected doctor and um, a patriot. And I hope that when everything is done, that she's given a very important office in government when Trump gets reelected. <clears throat> Okay, another title here, or subtitle, The System is Deeply Flawed. Why would anyone care about how death certificate is made? Everyone should care today when governments are making massive changes that affect our constitutional rights, and those changes are based on inaccurate statistics, Bukacek says. Let me stop there for a second, because I just remembered something. I was told that, um, I think it was from a guy from uh, Romania, but it could have been somebody I met from the Soviet Union or the former Soviet Union um, because they couldn't understand that when one of our relatives died and they went to uh, into the crematory, why we didn't care about it. And we just waited for the ashes to come out. They said where they came from, you actually just went to the crematory you watched your relative being loaded into the oven. You watched them being burned. You watched the ashes being taken out and put into the container. And then you could be satisfied that the person that you were taking home was actually your parent or loved one or whoever. And I think it's getting that way here. It's really weird. So again, everyone should care today. Um, when governments are making massive changes that affect our constitutional rights, and those changes are based on inaccurate statistics, Berkechek says, the system is deeply flawed, she argues. Few people know how much individual power and leeway is given to the physician, coroner, or medical examiner signing the death certificate. How do I know this? I've been filling out death certificates for over 30 years, she said. <clears throat> More often than we want to admit, we don't know with certainty, the cause of death when we fill out a death certificate. That's just life. We're doctors, not God. Autopsies are rarely performed, and even when an autopsy is done, the actual cause of death is not always clear. Physicians make their best guesstimate and fill out the form. Then that, uh, then that listed cause of death is entered into the vital records data bank for the for. Uh, to use for statistical analysis, which then gives out inaccurate numbers, as you can imagine. Those inaccurate numbers then become accepted as factual information, even though much of it is false. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. Uh, she said, this has been done. This is the way it's been done for some time, Bookcheck says. Uh, okay. New subtitle. They automatically overestimate the real death numbers by their own admission. So even before we heard of COVID-19, death certificates were based on assumptions and educated guesses that go unquestioned. When it comes to COVID-19, there is an additional data skewer that is, get this, there is no universal definition of COVID-19 death. The Center for Disease Control, updated from yesterday, April 4th, still states that mortality, mortality, quote, unquote, data, includes both confirmed and presumptive positive cases of COVID-19. That's from their website. Translation, the CDC counts both true COVID-19 cases and speculative guesses of COVID-19 the same. 
They call it death by COVID-19. They automatically overestimate the real death numbers by their own admission. Prior to COVID-19, people were more likely to get an accurate cause of death written on their death certificate if they died in the hospital. Why more, accu uh, why more accurate when a patient dies in the hospital? Because hospital staff and physical examination findings, labs, uh, radiological studies, etc., etc., uh, to make a good educated guess, it is estimated that 60% of people die in the hospital. But even with those in, in hospital deaths, the cause of death is not always clear, especially in sometime, with someone with multiple health conditions, each of which could have caused a death. Bukacek refers to a March 20, uh, 24th CDC memo from Stephen Schwartz, Director of Division of Vital Statistics for the National Health Center for Health Statistics, titled COVID-19, alert number two. Quote, the assumption of COVID-19 death, she says, can be made even without testing based on assumption alone, and death can be reported to the public as another COVID-19 casualty. There is a question and answer section on the memo. One question is, will COVID-19 be the ultimate, will be the underlying cause? The question, the answer is, the underlying cause depends on what the conditions are reported on the death certificate. However, the rules for coding the selection of the underlying cause of death are expected are, ex, are expected to result in COVID-19 being the underlying cause more often than not. Another question is, should COVID-19 be reported on the death certificate only with a confirmed test? Interesting. Uh, how many people have actually died from COVID-19 is anyone's guess. The answer is, COVID-19 should be reported on the death certificate for all decedents uh, where the disease caused or is assumed to have caused or contributed to death, bold-facing in its original, and that bold-facing or is or is assumed to have caused or contributed to death. Okay, you can see how these statistics have been made to look really scary uh, when it's so easy to add false numbers to the official database, Bokacek says, those false numbers are sanctioned by the CDC. The real number of COVID-19 deaths are not what most people are told and, are, and what they think, she says. <clears throat> how many people have actually died from COVID-19 is anyone's guess, but based on how death certificates are filled out, you can be certain the number is substantially lower than what we are being told. Based on inaccurate and incomplete data, people are being terrorized by fear mongers into relinquishing cherished freedoms. It's hard to argue what Dr. Bukacek says, but no doubt angry social media mobs will find a way as her chilling words enlighten the populace that has been bullied into submission. Of course, the disease's body count is not a sole concern, and we should have... Um, and we should have about this Chinese contagion, but is undeniably the prime driver of the rampant mass hysteria that has allowed state and local governments across America to crush our cherished civil liberties. Okay, let the investigation begin. <clears throat> As they say in the newsroom, if it bleeds, it leads. Deaths are always going to be more sexy than confirmed cases. Um, it is the number. It is the number that really really counts, and Americans know this. The fraudulent death statistics uh, give ammunition to the legions of snitches and scolds who try to 
shame their fellow Americans for attending church or playing catch in an empty park or taking a harmless drive in the countryside to prevent themselves from going stir-crazy. The fake death data from the CDC, coupled with the wild guesstimates from experts and a relentless barrage of fear porn in the mainstream media, subjects Americans around the clock have been have been given results even with a plague that is so far at least underperforming. First, experts told us that 2.2 million Americans would die. Then the number fell off the cliff, plunging down to about 200,000. As of April 8th, I guess this is an older article, the number of those expected to die from the disease by August 4th was down to 60,000, roughly a very nasty flu season. The new figure comes from the influential model produced by the University of Washington that the White House regularly cites. Has social distancing, wearing masks, uh, hosing down packages with bleach, and using a hand sanitizer that is at least 60% alcohol, and washing hands with soap and water for a minimum of 20 seconds help to bring the grim worst-case scenario body count down? Probably, I'm guessing, but it's hard to know for sure. Maybe those epidemiological modelers can be can be forgiven for scaring the bejesus out of Americans. Epidemiology is not, after all, an exact scientist, as its practitioners sometimes acknowledge. But those who have force-fed models, those who have force-fed modelers, skewed data that led to the terrifying deaths forecast that stampeded governors into pushing the nation down the road of uh, to total- totalitarianism need to be held accountable. Let the investigation begin. And that's the end of that article. So you see, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls of all ages, um, there's a lot of questions that are not being answered and they're not being addressed by the mainstream media. Um, it's it's the narrative. Uh, we were watching TV one day and they were showing um, how the uh, the narrative is given to these different news agencies like ABC, CBS, NBC, you know, CSNBC, uh, CNN, you name it. And as they were reporting, they were reporting like they were all reading off a script. And so what they did is they put like, and it must have been 15 or 20 different television screens and started it off at the same time. And it was the exact script, folks the same exact script. So they're being given things to say. They're being given propaganda to feed you and me with. Okay. Now I'll be the first to agree with some of these people and say, you know, there's a a COVID out there and it's a problem, no doubt. Okay. But it's no different than the flu. And, um, and to fudge the numbers, you know, that's, that's treasonous. If you ask me now, I did that article on, or the, excuse me, that show on um, the azithromycin and the um, Plaquenil working, and, and Trump was all for it, and Trump was ridiculed for it. Um, you know why? Because it actually worked. And the powers that be, man, you got to understand what's going on, folks. you got to understand that there is a deep state. you got to understand that this deep state controls a lot of things, and um, they control the drug companies, and they control the CDC, and they control the World Health Organization, and they control every bit of information that you're getting. And things like uh, what this doctor we're talking about aren't getting to you. Um, 
Yeah, this would be a good segue to get into this other lady. There's a lady. Her name is... Um, <laughs> that's weird. Um, I just had it up here. <clears throat> okay. If you look on... <clears throat> excuse me. If you look on YouTube... Oh, excuse me. i got to drink some cold coffee, but at least it's something to wet my throat. Hold on a sec. Yeah, drinking coffee at 11.30 at night. I'm going to get a lot done. Actually, I'm really dead tired, and I need to get to sleep after this. But anyway, this nurse's name was is Erin uh, Marie Azuski. O-L-S-Z-E-W-S-K-I. First name Erin, E-R-I-N. Middle name Marie, M-A-R-I-E. Uh, traveling nurse. I think I might have mentioned her earlier on here. Yeah, I did. I did. I remember it now. Um, quite an extensive video. And being a nurse, I was I was ashamed of the things she was telling me about or telling us about. And I'm surprised that her videos are still on YouTube. I mean, I, I make the 5G coronavirus connection, which is what's kind of innocuous. And this woman's still on here. Um, I've taken the liberty of downloading this video, and if it ever disappears, I'm putting it on my website. Um, that's how important I think it is. But she talks about how this one hospital, um, and I mentioned the name of it at the beginning. I can't remember what it is right now. Elmhurst, Elmhurst Hospital. And it's in one of the boroughs in New York City. Um, they converted the whole hospital into um, a COVID-19 hospital. And um, the whole thing is, is money, folks. It's all about money. Um, patients that weren't even tested were put on ventilators, even when they didn't have difficulty breathing. It was stick them on a ventilator, put them in a room. People that didn't have COVID-19 came down with it because they were stuck in rooms. And what does that remind you of? It reminds you of Governor Cuomo in New York, who sent healthy elderly people to um long-term care homes and nursing homes where COVID-19 was occurring, thus infecting healthy people and people were dying in droves. I mean, you know, most of the deaths that occurred in New York or a lot of them were elderly people, healthy elderly people that were sent to nursing homes where COVID-19 was running rampant. Uh, Governor Cuomo, (laughs) I don't know. You're right up there with Fauci. You're, uh, you're probably going to be cellmates in hell, um, and rightfully so. And I don't have a bit of pity for you because you knowingly have committed murder to advance a new age agenda, to advance the, the deep state New World Order agenda. And you might get your agenda. You might get it in your lifetime, both of you. But you know what? <laughs> in eternal terms, it means nothing. I mean, all those beautiful people that you've murdered, are going to be in heaven and you're going to be swimming the backstroke in a lake of fire for eternity. Think about that schmuckolas. But, um, anyway, um, this nurse, man, some people might call her foolish. I think she's as brave as anything. I haven't looked to see if she's still alive. This is the kind of person that, um, will meet with some kind of accident. Hopefully not. I pray for her all the time. Um, but, you know, the brakes might go out. She might die in a single plane crash, um, you know, or, or commit suicide with her right hand when she's left handed. You know, 
the I think they call it being Hillaryed now, right? Um, but you know, she cares enough to get the word out there. She she's putting her own life in danger to let everybody know that that this is a money making scheme. That um, I think that they were getting. You know, if, if you're going to get so much money, extra money from the government for every COVID patient that you have in there, yeah, you're going to label everybody as having COVID when they come in the hospital, right? You go in there for a stub toe, oh, you've got COVID, they're going to stick you up on the third floor, you know, and, and you know, you're going to die in there because of it. So, um, but nurses are, you know, a lot of nurses went to New York to, to help and because nurses are humanitarians for the most part. I mean, there's, there was probably a financial incentive too. But um, just listening to this lady, I know that her heart's in the right place and that she really does care for patients and she was incensed and and everything that she was told to do supposedly came from quotation marks with my fingers here, the higher ups in the hospital. And it was all for money making folks, all for money making. And anywhere else in this world, that's 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 illegal. <clears throat> but um, you know, when you when you look at New York City and who runs it, and you look at New York State and who runs it, um, people are getting away with murder. They really are, and and it's a shame. It really is. So Aaron Marie Asuski, um, man, you have my undying respect, and you're in my prayers every day because I know that what you did was very unpopular. What you did goes against everything that the elites are trying to do. And and um, you have my undying respect. And you're what nurses are all about, Aaron. You really are. And, and I'm proud to be counted among your number. I really am. You make me proud to be a nurse. You really do. So truck on, lady. Truck on and the Lord protect you with all of his angels around you. And put all of your enemies to shame. And may what they try to deal out to you, may it return back to them a hundredfold. Um, especially if it's evil. <laughs> but um, anyway, so so folks, there's there's an agenda out there, and if you got you got to look at it this way. Look at look at Congress, and I'm talking about the House of Representatives. Folks, they've been in there what two years now. Three, what have they accomplished? What kind of bills have they passed? Absolutely nothing. I mean, yeah, they've they've signed some bills into law that had to do with COVID-19, but they've spent the majority of their try, time trying to get Trump out of office. Okay. Uh, first, it was the impeachment thing, and that didn't work. And then uh, there was, you know, it was Russian collusion, and that didn't work. And then there was... Um, all this stuff that's coming up and everything they've tried hasn't worked. And, and you know what, if you're listening, one of you criminals in, in the house of representatives and some of you in, in um, the Senate and some of you uh, in the intelligence community that have been trying to ruin Trump, I'm telling you right now, you're fighting a losing battle because this man is going to be victorious because he's, this nation has been called by Yahweh, yod heh vav to be a storehouse for the lost tribes of Israel. And we're here, the lost tribes of Israel, we're here. And you're not going to be able to do anything unless God gives permission for you to do it. 
and everything you've done to Trump has backfired and come back at you. And Trump kind of reminds me, his first term kind of reminds me of the suffering. I'm not going to say that he's a messianic figure, but kind of like the suffering servant. But his second term, he's coming in as the lion. And you guys better be real scared, you you um, you um, elites and, and everybody else. Soros, you better be quaking in your boots because what's going to happen is you're going to get arrested. You're going to be tried for treason. You're going to be executed. Your sorry ass is going to hell. And the same with the, the Schumers and the um, Pelosi's and the Feinsteins and everything else. Your deeds are all going to come out in the light. And everything you've said in secret is going to come out and be shouted from the housetops. That's what scripture says. And it's going to be a sorry day for you. And, uh, you know, it's funny. I, um, I've been suggesting for a long time, you know, when, when Trump was trying to build a wall, and he still is, and the wall's being built. And it's funny how that's not being addressed right now. But um, the, the left, everything they does is to their own detriment. Um, but... Um, the um, a lot of things have been pushed aside by you leftists in order to try to throw this man out of office, and it's not going to happen. And um, but um, you know, you the walls being built. Um, when he gets reelected, um, there's uh, at least one more Supreme Court justice that. Why she's still alive, I have no idea. Um, she's got one foot in the grave, and the other foot's probably going in after he gets reelected. Um, natural causes are the cancer that she's suffering from. And, you know, I really feel sorry for Ruth Ginsburg. You know, I hate to say it because I, I really don't like her, but, you know, I think that she's made a lot of headway in a lot of different areas. And um, when it comes to women, she's, she's broken a lot of... Uh, glass ceilings and uh she's she's really done a lot for for women and women's rights and stuff and um it's just sad that um you know she's chosen the the uh the dark side so to speak when it comes to politics and and um you know hopefully um i know that according to christian tradition and according to scripture you know you don't really have a chance if you don't know yeshua is your lord and savior but I'm hoping that on her deathbed that she'll she'll come to that realization and she'll ask you in her life, Yeshua. Um, that's my prayer. But um, <clears throat> things are going to change. January 20th, 2021, things are going to change. And um, there's going to be hell to pay for all that you people have done. Uh, Soros and the Rockefellers and the, <clears throat> and the other elites that um, are out there trying to destroy this country. Um, there's a storm coming. I do believe that when Q says it, it's coming. Um, they're building. Um, they're building up Guantanamo. Um, several, well, a couple of years ago, this might not sound like a kosher thing to say, but um, you know when Trump was having money um, or having a hard time getting money to build the wall because Congress fought him every step of the way. Um, I proposed, and it hasn't happened, but. Um, if you really want to raise money for that wall, if you really want to raise money, and I hope you're listening to this, President Trump, maybe you'll implement this after the after January 20th of next year. Um, start a lottery. 
And the prize won't be money. The prize will be the honor of either pushing the uh, the button that activates the electric chair or, God, it's hard to say this, being a believer in Yeshua. But things like this have to happen in order to get rid of all the evil that's in this world, all the child molesters that are in high places, all the uh, the white slavers that are up there, um, and child slavers of all colors. Um but something's got to be done. An example's got to be made to, to show that this stuff isn't going to be tolerated anymore. And you make a lottery, President Trump, a lottery that would, the, the winners of the lottery, and maybe there'll be 20 or 30 winners, I don't know, but they'll get to push the button that activates the electric chair or the switch that drops the cyanide into the water in the gas chamber or or the ring, he pull the ring out and uh, the doors, the trap doors fall open underneath the gallows. Um, you start a lottery like that, you can build that wall. And you could probably build one with Canada, too, if you wanted to. That's how much money you'll take in President Trump. Um, mark my words, um, people will be buying lottery tickets uh, on a daily basis for the honor of doing stuff like that. And I know a lot of people, a lot of Christians are probably saying, oh, how can you say something like that? That is not a godly thing to say. We're supposed to forgive. Well, you know what? Yes, we are. We're supposed to forgive. We're supposed to forgive people that, that in my estimation, will reap a benefit from the forgiveness. Okay. Um, I heard this whole thing the other day from a pastor, and, and I really, really respect the guy because he's a, uh, a friend of, or a brother of, uh, of somebody that I know that's um, a dear brother. And um, he said, you know, we got to forgive everybody. Well, yeah, we do. But, you know, my wife and I were talking after that. And she said, well, you know, he's got a point. And I says, yeah, well, he, he, he does, you know. But at the same time, if we, if we were to do that, then we'd still be speaking uh, with a British accent and we'd still be under the queen's authority. No, we realized that, um, you know, that there were some things that you fight for if you want freedom and you have to, you know, um, it, the argument can be made. Yeah. Well, the first century church overcame through the, the blood of their, um, their blood and their testimony. And they love like not their lives unto death. Yeah, that's true. But I don't know. Uh, I am told in scripture that my wife and my kids are my first ministry, that nurturing them and taking care of them is my first ministry. And that includes my grandkids, too. And I cannot sit idly by and watch while a bunch of schmucks try to take over this world, especially my country, and to enslave my family and to starve us or do whatever else they want to do to kill us. I want to stand by and watch that happen. I got to do something. You know, I'm not going to go on the offensive, but, you know, you come to my house and try to take my wife or kids or grandkids. <laughs> uh, well, anyway, let's change the subject. I don't want to get into that too much because I'll be seen as a hater and a racist and and everything just for loving my family. <clears throat> but um, so anyway, um this whole COVID thing is, uh, it's fishy. It really is. It's a very fishy thing. And um, I think when uh, the history books are written, if if history is allowed to go on, <laughs> you 
you know, if the return of Yeshua isn't within the next seven years or so. Um, and history is written. I think, you know, 100 years down the road, should he tarry that long, the history books are going to show all the treason and all the sedition that happened in this country. And you're going to see names like Biden and Pelosi and Schumer and Obama and everything else. You're going to see that they were traitors to this country and that uh, they suffered uh, the ultimate or they paid the ultimate penalty for their for their actions. So, like I said, um, Guantanamo is being built up as we speak to accept a lot more prisoners. Um, if reports are right, uh, two big prison barges have been moved down to Guantanamo. Um, they're not going to move them there if they're not going to be used, folks. So, and uh, what about all those indictments? I don't know. You, well, here, let's 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 do a little search here while we're online. How many sealed indictments exist? Okay. Uh, let's see. Let's go to a credible news source here. Um, trying war criminals, PBS. Okay, we don't want to go to PBS, my goodness. Uh, uh, now another interesting thing is that Barr um, is resuming capital punishment for crimes as uh, high crimes and misdemeanors. Why would they do that if they're not going to use it pretty soon? Okay, there are a dozen of sealed criminal indictments. That's November of eight. Anyway, I've heard upwards of up 200,000 um, sealed indictments to arrest people. Um, and we're talking about all sorts of people. We're talking about politicians. We're talking about corrupt news people and stuff like that. Um, uh, one thing that Obama did, and I don't think he realized he was doing what he was doing. I think he was doing it so that he could use and he never got the chance to, but, um, he made it so that uh, the president can declare an emergency. Um, I know that the War Powers Act existed way before that, but Obama did something to accentuate it and never took it off the book. So it exists. And uh, you hear President Trump talking about the unseen enemy, talking about um, referring to the coronavirus. A lot of people are talking about it. Maybe he is, but uh, I got a feeling he's talking about a lot more than that. You heard him during the debates. Uh, uh, Hillary said something like, you know, if, if you're president and Trump said, yeah, you'd be in jail. So um, he announced his plans way back when he was running for president. So, um, by the way, um, I think in September she goes in for um, she had a preliminary trial and uh, she tried to quash um, the trial that's coming up where she's going to have to be she's going to have to answer questions about. Um, the Benghazi <clears throat> emails and all the other emails that she uh, she deleted. And bear in mind, folks, nothing gets deleted. The NSA records everything. The NSA is recording me right now. Um, the NSA records every conversation that you have on your phone. Um, if you have a newer TV, they're probably listening in on that. Everything's being recorded, including those in higher up positions they're being recorded too and so all of Hillary's emails are are stored somewhere um, and they're going to show that she knew about Benghazi that's becoming more and more evident every day 
I read more and more about that every day that she knew about it. And, um, well, one of these days we're going to have a glorious day when we're rid of all these people, all these swamp creatures, all these reptilians that are in human form. And, yes, there are some of those. They're not all that way, but there are some. Um, how You know, folks in a world where there's supposed to be laws and everything, how do you think that some of these people get away with what they get away with? Because they're under evil protection and they're evil themselves. And, you know, you got to question if some of them are really human, you know. Uh, angels can take any form they want, folks. They can take any form they want. And um, <laughs> who could think of a more corrupt form than a Democratic politician or a rhino Republican? But anyway, um <clears throat> So as we were starting to bring this this show to a close here, um, <clears throat> you know, when I was a <clears throat> a young man, I had the the pleasure of growing up. Pardon me, folks, for a second. <clears throat> I got this thing going on, and it's just bugging the heck out of me, um, affecting my voice and stuff. But uh, growing up in the '60s and '70s, the hippies used to say, "Question authority." And back then, that was, you know, oh, that was a carnal sin to say that, you know. Um, but they had something. They were right. You know, I don't agree with very many of the hippie sayings or doctrines or anything, but they were right about that. And I believe that, that we should still be doing that, questioning authority. Because the authority that we have now are the hippies that were once a questioning authority back in the 60s. Okay. Or people with the same mindset. So... Always question. When you hear anything, if if um, if Nancy Pelosi tells you to look to the left, look what's over on the right. Look to the right right away because she's doing something over there. Um, if she says that um, <clears throat> things are going up, then look down. If she says that uh, the, the sky's, you know, the sun's coming up, look to the west because it's probably setting. You know what I'm saying? It's just that everything that these people say is kind of contradictory and is um, kind of a delusional propaganda that they all use to try to get us to to uh, look at things that are not happening, like in the movie Wag the Dog, for instance, you know. Um, so whenever any of these corrupt people, any of these swamp creatures start telling you to look in one direction, look the other. Um, during this uh this COVID thing, a lot of things are going on. I think Trump is using this for his his, uh, his good and our good because um, all these swamp creatures are starting to reveal themselves for who they are. You know, they're all coming out. Um, look at all the Hollywood actors, how brave they are. Robert De Niro, oh, I want to punch the president. Man, if I would have said that during the Obama administration, I'd probably be sitting in a federal prison somewhere. But all this stuff is allowed to happen, and it's being allowed to happen because Trump and and the powers that be, Trump and his generals and his admirals and everything else, they want these people that set themselves up, and that's exactly what they're doing. They're setting themselves up. And when the right time comes, all the things are going to be there to say, you know, Robert De Niro threatening the president. Well, that's an act of sedition right there. So, okay, there's a sedition charge, and I'm sure that he'll get charged with treason and other things, too. Um, but um, there's there's a lot of stuff that's going to come down, and it's being allowed to happen because 
he is letting them hang themselves. Let's put it that way. The good guys are letting the bad guys hang themselves. And uh, you think that these Antifa punks that are running around are going to get away with what they're doing? No, they're they're all making phone calls and are you all using their cell phones? Funny how they can be poor but have cell phones. Um, so, and every cell phone number is being recorded and every conversation is being recorded. So someday the federal troops are going to, or the federal police, I should say, not even that, the FBI, let's put it that way, the FBI and all the, um, the other higher police sources are going to walk up and go, okay, you just start pointing at people, you, 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 you know, come with us, you're under arrest. Well, what are you arresting us for? Sedition. What do you mean sedition? Well, you, you mounted up an arm, an army against the United States. You burned down half of Seattle. You, you smashed up Portland. You screwed up San Francisco. You burned your way through Southern California. You think you're going to do that and get away with it? No, you're going to prison and you're most likely going to be hanged or suffer some kind of, uh, capital punishment because that's the price you pay for sedition and treason. So this stuff is being allowed to happen. And I know it's frustrating folks. I know it's frustrating. I just wish that they would just go in and arrest all these punks right now. And I don't like the fact that all the lives they're, they're putting in peril and everything else. And, and, uh, but Trump's got to let it happen so that these people will hang themselves and, and there will come a day of retribution. There really will. Um, I got into a little discussion with uh, some some idiots on Facebook, and boy, they're a bunch of them. And um, we were talking, or they were talking about, um, oh, they're defending Antifa and 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 the protest on the bridge, and how tonight they were supposedly going to close down Interstate Five and march on Interstate Five. And well, they got a right to do that; they got a permission from the state police. Well. You, the state police cannot give permission to close down a federal highway, you know, and that's what the uh, interstates are. They're all federal. So, okay, so you got all those protesters that are going to be marked. You got the police that are going to be marked if, if they did allow it, you know. Um, and and this, this governor we got here in Oregon and in California, I sympathize with you. In Washington, I sympathize with you. And New Yorkers, I, the good New Yorkers, I sympathize with you. And and the same with the people in Virginia and all the other places where these libtards have taken over the governorships or the mayoral, mayoral offices and of cities and stuff like that. Um, one of these days, there's going to be a reckoning. And it ain't going to be pretty for them. And But my fear is, and it's, it's a genuine fear, but it's a fear that is... is um, Buffered, that's a good word. A fear that is buffered with the knowledge that all everything's going to turn out good because um, when when the Civil War happens in this country, and it will happen, to what degree, I have no idea. But when it does happen, it's probably going to be very short, very swift. And um, that's why I've been telling people online, you know, you got to start planning for the future, at least for, you know, for a short term anyway. Um if you work, if you commute, look for different ways to commute because you're probably going to need it unless you want your car turned over and burned while you're driving to work because <clears throat> you know they'll do that. Um, learn how to shoot a gun. Get a concealed carry permit if you can get one in your state or get the one for Utah. It covers you in 34 different states. Um, I believe it's 34. 
Um, you know, I'm not telling you to stockpile months worth of food, but if the toilet paper crisis said anything to you, it said that, man, you need to have some food on hand. I'm very fortunate. Um, I live in a very small community here in Oregon. Um, I grow, I have fruit trees, not too many of them, but enough. So I'm growing the fruit. Okay. Other people are hunters. We have lots of hunters in, in this area. Lots of deer, lots of elk, um, lots of game animals. Um, so we have our hunters. So we got meat. We have people that are gardening and they're canning like there's no tomorrow. So we have food. We have uh, vegetables and and uh, canned uh, fruits and jellies and jams and everything else. So um, there'll, there'll be a time when we go back on the barter system. You know, if you have a skill, you have it made. You know, um, I was I've done a lot of work in electrical. Um, I was electrician helper for a number of years and I was a plumber pipe fitter for a number of years. So, um, you know, I, I've got those skills so I can use those to barter for food. You know, start thinking about what you can use to barter, barter with folks. Start thinking about, hey, you know, um, okay, my neighbor's a doctor over there. (laughs) Let's use the third world analogy, you know. Okay, my neighbor's a doctor and I've got chickens. You know, if he wants to eat, he'll treat me because I'll give him a chicken to pay him for. His family will eat and I'll get medical care. You know, things like that. Start thinking about who you can barter with, who you can trade with, what you can do in that way because you're going to need to do that to provide for your family or for yourself if you're single. Um Start thinking about, you know, one of the best things that that the um, leftists did when they started this whole COVID-19 thing is that all the schools closed. If you have a kid that goes to public school, you've got problems or potential problems. So getting them out of school with an indefinite data when school is going to open has caused people to either start homeschooling or sending them to neighbors' houses where they're being homeschooled. This is something that is going to continue after the public schools open up, okay? This is a good thing. They're getting them out of those propaganda mills. They're getting them out of those places where they're being taught that our, their parents are evil and that the things that their parents believe in is evil. They're they're getting out of the, the, the mills where they're being taught communism is good, capitalism is bad. They're getting out of the mills where they're being taught that atheism is good and that Christianity is bad or Judaism is bad. You know, they're getting they're out of there now, folks. They're out. They're free and they don't have to go back. For goodness sakes, if you have the ability at all costs, try to figure out how you can keep them out of the schools and keep them homeschooled or schooled in a little area where, you know, one parent schools. Uh, one week and another parent schools the next week or you can trade off or something like that. Oh, please don't send them back to public schools. They're a mess. The teachers are a mess. Both of, most of them are atheists and communists and everything else. And most of them hate God. Don't send them back there. Bible says, bring a child up in the way he should go. When he, dep- when he gets old, he will not depart from that way. Well, if you're sending him to a school where he's being taught to hate, everything that's good and love everything that's evil. That's the training he's getting. And he's not going to depart from that when he gets older. So by God, if you can, don't send them back there. Please don't send them back. 
Encourage your kids to go to a trade school when they get out of high school. So many people have gone to college and gotten degrees in stupid things that they will never, ever use. And you know what? They they mock the plumbers. They mock the electricians. But you know what? It's the mechanics, the plumbers, the electricians that are still working. And some of them are bringing home a pretty darn good wage. I'm telling you. Um, yeah. So think about these things. Think about how you're going to bring your kids up. Think about what you're going to do when this stuff all comes down the pike. You'll be better for it. The Bible says my people are destroyed because of lack of knowledge. It actually says my people Israel are destroyed because of a lack of knowledge. But, you know, a lack of knowledge destroys just about anybody. So, you know, you can find yourself inclusive in that scripture. But um, <clears throat> get knowledgeable. Start getting smart. Start thinking of ways to to get your family out of this stupid world and into the kingdom of God, you know. And that's another thing. Um, I'm not going to touch too much on it because we're going to touch on it Monday, you know. Turn the TV off. The TV, there's a reason why they call it programming, folks. <laughs> TV's programming people. It's programming. programming <laughs> I can't talk. It's so, it's so tired. It's programming, programming them with um, propaganda, and it's anti-God and anti-American propaganda, uh, for the most part, unless you find Christian television or you find, like, OAN News or something like that. Um, get them away from Disney. Get them away from all this other crap. If you knew what Disney was into and you knew all the symbolism that's exhibited in Disney pictures, even the cartoons, you'd be you'd be horrified. Um, my goodness, take them the movies that teach history, that teach reality. I mean, this whole this whole reality that we live in right now is is a fantasy. You know, it's it's a horror show. Let's let's teach them good things. You know, um, I got a. My my one stepdaughter, they watch things like Little House on a Prairie, things that are wholesome, things that that teach morals and values and honorable things, you know, not things that teach about witchcraft like Harry Potter does or things that uh, teach about dragons. Satan's a dragon, folks. Do you want to teach your kids about Satan? Let them watch dragon movies. Um, You know, get them into wholesome music. If you can, if it's not too late, get them into wholesome music. Because the crap that's out there is crap. It teaches them sex, drugs, and rock and roll. That's the theme of worldly music. And you don't want them doing that. You know, you don't want your son knocking up some, you know, some 15-year-old girl. You know, you don't want your daughter getting pregnant when she's 15 years old. Let's bring back some old values. Let's not have to teach them about how to use a condom. Let's teach them that they shouldn't use one until they're married. They shouldn't have sex until they're married. Yeah, I know that's old fashioned and it's draconian to some people that are listening to this. But, you know, you wouldn't have to have abortions if you. If people were brought up the right way, you know. Um, Anyway, it's getting late. It's it's after midnight here and it's the next day and I got to get up in the morning. So. I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to um, go ahead and end this show. And I'm pretty tired, so it's been a long day and I don't feel very well. So um, go ahead and end this show and, and just say, you know, just don't believe what the government tells you all the time. Um, 
don't believe uh, don't believe their lies. Don't believe their rhetoric. Um, do what's wholesome. Try to find things that are holy and wholesome and, and good to do instead of evil. You know, and just try to do the best you can. Nobody's perfect. You make a mistake like a bicycle. You fall down, you get back up, get back on that sucker. But um, and if you don't know the Lord, uh, Yeshua, Jesus, that is, um, I pray you come to know him because things are you think things are bad now. Things are going to get 100 times worse and and trying to exist in a world that's 100 times more evil than it is right now without God at your side and inside of you. Well, good luck with that. It's not going to be easy if it's, it's going to be impossible, actually. But anyway, um, I leave you and I say um, have peace the rest of this weekend and and be blessed. And uh, we'll see you on Monday night. Uh, the subject Monday night is going to be um, who do you have faith in? You know, um, yes, it's it's nice to know the plan that QAnon's talking about. It's nice to, you know, have an idea of when things are going to come down the pike and to information is knowledge and in a way it's power. But um, if something doesn't have the backing of scripture, if it doesn't line up with scripture, having faith in it is something that is foolish. I'm not saying Q is foolish. I think that Q's got a lot of good stuff out there, and he's letting us know a lot of things that are going on. Um, the same with some of the other, um, Mark Taylor and, and well, Kim Clement's dead, but a lot of his messages are still out there, and David Wilkerson. But, um, you know, be careful. Be careful. Have faith in God. Trust God, and then all this other stuff, if it lines up with Scripture, then start looking into it. But at the whole, at the same time, still have a, you know, take it with a grain of salt. Because nothing's written in stone unless God writes it in stone. So, anyway, um, adios, vaya con Dios, and, uh, and have a wonderful weekend. And uh, thank you for listening to this rant, this rave. And I hope that you picked up something tonight that you can use. And, uh, well, the Lord be with you. And see you Monday night if you're going to be there. If not, see you when we see you. Good night.